Everybody, you can open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And uh, before we get started, let's go ahead and have our have a word of prayer, and then we'll let the kids head off to their classes. Father, thank you this morning. What a privilege it is to be here in this wonderful, great weather. Lord, we love it. And uh, Father, now we need the warmth of your presence. We need the filling of your spirit. Please guide us today. All day, God, we desire to hear from you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, young folks, you can head out that back door or this front door. Follow your teacher to the appropriate class. And Yalafovasinus, uh, let's get 2 Corinthians chapter 13. <clears throat> and by the grace of God, today we will finish this book, 2 Corinthians 13. And uh, we will begin reading in verse 11 just to get a running start. But then we'll pick up the commentary in verse 12. 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 11. Now you guys forgive me, I'm... Um, I've been having some trouble with my eyes more than, more, than, uh, more than normal this week. And I had to have some tests done, kind of an emergency test last night. So my eyes are still a bit dilated. So if I don't look up a lot, it's not because I'm trying to avoid eye contact. It's just I'm still sensitive to the light. And uh, you're all blurry. <laughs> so it, it's very nice. I literally cannot see color right now. <laughs> so it doesn't matter if you're black or white. I'm not trying to follow... <laughs> Michael Jackson there I'm just saying it doesn't matter I honestly can't tell in most cases so sorry for that and if you see me leaning in it's I'm just trying to get the words right so all right so verse 11 says finally brethren farewell be perfect be of good comfort be of one mind live in peace and we talked about all those things last time Uh, let me just say this about those things you need to do all of them at once package deal right and the God of love and peace shall be with you. So a little bit of a, um, some advice on how to find the presence of God in your life. In verse 12, greet one another with an holy kiss. Right, so Paul is telling the saints there at Corinth how to interact with each other. And when he says greet one another with a holy kiss, let me deal with a, a, a technical problem that comes up with this. You read these kind of verses in the Bible, you go, well... How, are, how am I going to go about doing that? This is not something that you typically see in South Africa, maybe in parts of Europe, other parts of the world. I, th- I always think of France when I think of this holy kiss. I don't, well, boy, I gotta be careful here because now we can start ca- talking about French kissing. <laughs> That's another thing too. <laughs> but in France, you see it's common. They, they greet each other and it's a small little peck, you know, cheek to cheek. And there's nothing, it's nothing romantic about that kind of kiss. And obviously, Paul is referring to something with no romance, no, 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 nothing of that nature, nothing lustful going on here. It was just part of their culture. This was how they showed being uh, polite and courteous and a loving kindness to each other, that basic uh, loving kindness. Now, that's something that every saint should show each other. As you greet each other, there should be some politeness involved. It's, it's an act of courteousness. You're being kind about this. Imagine if we didn't do it. Maybe is the best way to appreciate how important this is. Imagine walking in and somebody seeing you and just turning their head the other way and not even acknowledging you. You know how a lot of folks do it. In America, this is very popular. I've seen it done here. I think this is worldwide. But somebody's going by, maybe in a vehicle or walking by, and you do this. 
You guys ever do that? Just that nod, right? It, back in the country where my grandpa had his farm, you're driving the, we call it a pickup. Y'all say Bucky. I don't know why you drive a bowl, right? Bucky is a bowl. Don't know why you're driving a bowl. But anyway, we drive a pickup and we're going down the road. And when you see somebody about to cross, you, you, you don't even nod. You just do this. You're driving and you just, one finger goes up. <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's it. If you know him real well, you get excited and put the hand up, you know. There's all sorts of different ways to be polite and courteous, to give an appropriate greeting that shows that person, we, we accept you being here, we're glad you're here. Now, make that fit your culture. When I got to Malawi, I taught it a little differently than I would teach it today. If I was in France, this verse, I would take it very literally and say, continue on with that whole kissing on each cheek thing because it would fit, right? Now, you say, but Brother Mike, it says holy kiss. So shouldn't we, shouldn't we perform this to the letter? Shouldn't we then adopt this particular form of greeting? If there were other verses in the New Testament that explained why the holy kiss was somehow better than a holy handshake, right? That said, this is why the kiss is significant then I would say, yes, this maybe is something we need to adopt into Christian culture or something. But there are no verses about this. Paul doesn't ever go into expl uh, to explaining why the kiss is so much better than something else. And therefore, I believe what Paul's getting across here is just that being kind and courteous to each other. And in our culture, I think a handshake gets that done until COVID comes in and then an elbow bump, you know, or chest, but something, you know, bump the fist, whatever is appropriate, be kind, courteous, and polite in that situation. If you don't know the person, right, and they're crossing your path here at church, you can still at least give that kind nod and a little smile. Smiling really helps, right? Now, just imagine, just imagine somebody walks by and they give you that the, the hello nod, you know, but they do it with this scowl on their face. You don't feel welcome, do you? Right? If, I, if I'm starting here and I'm going, hello, 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 right? That's the thing. Nod, wave, nod, and then I go. Right? If I get to here and my face changes, that's, they're going to read that a certain way, right? And it's going to make them feel a bit uneasy and uncomfortable. So I believe that's why Paul is saying, guys, be, be courteous, be polite with one another. Doesn't matter how old they are. Doesn't matter what language they speak, right? A handshake doesn't speak a language, does it? A, a, a nod, universal language. A smile, universally true. We know what that means. So this is something we can all do. Um, when I got to Malawi, this took a little getting used to because there, Zinle, do you mind? Can I just borrow you as a prop? Can you just come this way? So, um, <clears throat> just to spare the cameramen some work, come on up here with me. Come on up here with me. So, no, no, you can just keep it right there, I think. So, in Malawi, we have this handshake and then up and then down, right? And you see that here. That's a very common thing. So, as we get to Malawi. I'm doing, I had no idea for about six months. I thought, why is this? Is he trying to take my watch? What is he? I had no idea what this was, right? And then some people, this, it's like this. You, you tap the chest and you do it and you bow a little bit at the same time. You got a little bit of China. You got a little bit of Japan. You got some Africa. You got everything in there, yeah? Then I got to Zambia. And in Zambia, it's this, 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 this. Man, that's a lot. That's a lot. 
Zinla, you didn't even try, man. That's not being polite or courteous. I don't feel accepted now. (laughs) All right, thanks, brother. Now, if Zintla and I were in China, and we're not, but if we were in China, uh, they had the COVID, you can tell they had COVID planned because they had the whole bow thing going, right? They had, they had social distancing figured out centuries ago, so they know a, a kind bow. And to be honest, I kind of like that, right? Because I've sh- I have shaken so many hands. Have you ever shaken somebody's hand and regretted it immediately afterwards? Like, oh, hello, oh, <laughs> oh, where was that hand just now? I mean, what do you, and immediately, you know, you want to be kind. You don't want to go look at your hand right away, but you, you do want that bottle of sanitizer to get there pretty quick. So I, I'm all on board with the, the holy bow, right? I think that makes good sense just from a, a, a health point of view. But wherever you're at, whatever the culture would demand, be polite, be courteous. Now, I'll tell you how to make sure you do it. You need to be a polite person. You need to be a kind person. If it is fake, if you are just putting on the veneer of politeness and kindness, people can generally read that as well, right? So, so the best thing to do here is genuinely be happy that other people are crossing your path. Now, the best way to do this is, is twofold. Number one, very general universal truth here acknowledge that that other person was created in the image of God and therefore they are special they are unique and they deserve respect simply because they share the same creator as you now that way you can honor all men that's a biblical command honor all men say I can't do that because some men are really bad men and they make bad choices and they're wicked yes and they were created by God so at the very least they have that Right? Now, granted, maybe they have uh, quite a record, and maybe they're not worthy of any more respect than that base level stuff. And fair enough, you don't have to sit there and create a big friendship with them, but you can at least acknowledge that. Now, somebody, let's say, let's put this into the church. That's what Paul's writing to. Somebody walks into the church. They now, regardless if you know them or not, they're coming into a place where they could potentially hear about the love of God, hear about what Jesus Christ did for them. And the goal here is for that person to come into a relationship with God, be accepted in the beloved. Now, you and I, as saints, as people in the body of Christ, we can lay a little groundwork. We can say prime, prime the pump as they come in to say, listen, you are in a place that wants you to be in this place. We want you here. We're not, we're not watching over your shoulder, waiting for a mistake to happen so we can jump on you and get, that's not, that's not the atmosphere we want to, to have. Yes, you, we recognize when you walk in the door, you probably have issues and baggage and you probably have a record. You might be the prodigal son. Maybe it's been a while since you've been in church. But truth be told, we all have baggage. Truth be told, at one point, I was the prodigal son, and I don't ever want to lose sight of that. So when I see another prodigal son walking, coming back home, hey, man, I'm glad you're here. I, we, you're accepted here. Baggage included. Come on, bring it in. We'll go get a wheelbarrow and help you get the rest of the baggage, and we'll make sure we deal with that baggage, help you bear that burden. Verse number 13, all the saints salute you. Now, to be honest, this is one of those verses that I just quickly 
Passover in my reading, as I got to thinking about this verse a little further, I think there's quite a bit to it. Salute, all the saints salute you. Now, again, salutes change from country to country, you know. In America, it's just the basic hand to the head, that's a salute. But this, this can be a salute, just that little bit of a wave. You know, some people in, the, in, in Europe, they stomp the foot. In Malawi, that was also a big thing. They stomp the foot and give a big salute. Guys, salute is, is simply another way of recognizing that somebody deserves honor. Now, that other person you're saluting, in the army, you only salute people that outrank you, right? So if somebody has that higher rank, they're a general or a captain, you're a private, a lieutenant, something like that, you owe them a salute. It's a sign of respect, sign of honor. You wouldn't see that person who outranks the other. You wouldn't see a captain or a commander walking by and saluting a private. That would just be kind of out of bounds there. But we're not in the South African army. This is, we're not. This is the Lord's army. And we, we, we give honor to whom honor is due. And as a fellow laborer, as a fellow brother or sister in Christ, I salute you. I say, I'm, I'm glad you're part of the spiritual army, the Lord's army. And your position in Christ is significant. And I want to recognize that. Now, when Paul writes to the Corinthians, I want you to remember the greater context. All the saints salute you you salute people you respect this is Paul's second epistle and he's about to come to them the third time and he's warning them I'm going to chew you guys out big time because you just a, a part of you will not repent they had a multitude of problems and you know what Paul is able to write at the end of his second epistle all the saints salute you even though you got issues big ones this tells me something. Everywhere Paul went, they said, hey, Paul, we heard you started a church in Corinth and that it was struggling a bit. We know this because Paul acknowledged that other people outside of Corinth were aware of the problems of Corinth. So they would bring it up with Paul. Hey, how's it going in Corinth? We heard that church is going through a rough time. Paul says, you know what? They are going through a rough time. I'll tell you what, they keep me up at night. They're helping me with my prayer life. I'm getting a lot of practice in the prayer closet. My goodness, those people, hard-headed. But I love them. And I tell you what, they got so much potential. And yeah, there's a few folks in that church just giving trouble, but there's a lot of people there that really love God, really getting the job done, holding the ropes, holding on to the truth, contending for the faith. And, and I really thank God for them. And I have confidence in them. I'm not ignoring the issues, Paul would say, but I have confidence that things can, will and can come right. And by the end of Paul explaining to these other churches and other people about the Corinthians, they would say, well, Paul, whenever you write to him, whenever you see him again, let him know we're praying for him. Tell him we salute him. We still respect him. Now, how does that match up to, to maybe a preacher or just people today? People get to talking about, I visited that church, I went to this church, I was a member of this church. You know what happens? Gossip. Let me tell you what that pastor said. And I heard this about this guy and so-and-so and Tani did this and Um did that. Can you believe? I met the deacon one day and ooh, let me tell you all about the deacon. Oh my goodness. Can you believe? And all you hear is how rotten every church is. And by the end of those conversations, you rarely want to say, well, praise God, salute him. Now listen, every church all over the world has issues. You know why? 
We're human. We're a bunch of saved sinners. Now you can say amen to that. We're a bunch of saved sinners. And if you're not saved, well, you're a sinner. <laughs> you, got, you got that much, right? <laughs> you got that much at least. But let's, let's try to put this into a proper perspective, yeah? Somebody comes in and says, I didn't get a sufficient greeting at the door. I didn't get the holy handshake. I don't like that church. It's not a nice church. That church is too big. There's too many people. I didn't get personal attention. They don't know my name. They don't know what's going on in my life. Nobody asked me about the talents and spiritual gifts I have. Nobody gave me an opportunity to use my gifts during the church service. This is one I've gotten a few times. I came in and somebody looked at me funny. Everyone's so judgmental at church. I like that one. Everyone's judgmental at church. Have you talked to everyone? <laughs> really? <laughs> I, I doubt it, but people say such things. Now, let's just keep some perspective. Do these things happen at church? Do people give funny looks? Do people forget to be polite and offer a courteous greeting and give you the holy kiss at the door? Yes, these things happen. They do. Would we like to avoid them? Yes. Would we like to get to know you better? Absolutely. Would we like to see your gifts and talents and abilities be put to use in the body of Christ in our local church? Absolutely. We'd like to, but the reason we fail is not because we're trying to fail. It's because we're human. That's it. So we would ask that you be patient with us as a church, just like the church is patient with you. Because you also fail from time to time on occasion. Perspective funny look at the door didn't get a good greeting I've been there two months and nobody knows all my talents and abilities compared with the Corinthian church one of the members was sleeping with his stepmother the whole church knew about it and nobody cared they were fine with that two brothers were going to court suing each other they could not settle the dispute and the whole church knew about it and they would not come to a, 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 a calm conclusion on that Within that church, there were people coming to church, drinking to the point of getting drunk. In the church. Chapter 11. Chapter 15, a portion of that church had stopped believing in the resurrection. Not just of Christ, but any resurrection. That is a major heresy. That unravels the gospel as soon as you stop believing that. Those are major issues, right? They were doubting whether or not the Apostle Paul was a real apostle. Do you know what that does? If you believe that, take 13 books of the New Testament and throw them out. You're no longer a Bible believer. Those are major issues. And you know what Paul did when he went around talking about Corinth? Yeah, they got their problems, but I still love them. Paul was patient with these problems. He, he was able to overlook some of them. He was able to see the potential. And he knew, yes, some people may not come around, but there's a lot of folks there that really are trying. And he spoke of that church in a way that still maintained the respect and honor that a brother and sister in Christ would deserve. So much so that other people said, salute them. Let them know we're on their side and we're praying for them. Guys, it's one thing to discuss where another church, another denomination, where they might have a false teaching, where they're doing something that is damaging the testimony of Christ. It is important that we acknowledge those things exist 
that we deal with them, right? But let's be careful that that's not the only thing we do. There are people sitting in other churches this morning that love God every bit as much as those of us here, right? And even though we may not agree on every single detail, a lot of those details we don't agree on don't matter. Amen. I mean, they, they don't matter. Some of them do. Some of them are fundamental things, and that's why we have different congregations. But some of these things are very secondary. I like what one preacher said. You can be brothers without being twins. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? You can be brothers without being twins. Now listen, there are some issues that are so fundamental, we can't be brothers if we don't agree on some things. You understand, if they don't agree that the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ saves you, that and that alone, we're not even brothers. We're not in the same family. But if we agree on those fundamental things and we disagree on some secondary, non-important issues, we're brothers, but not twins. So we can have unity without uniformity. Yes? And therefore, I'm able to still respect somebody of a Pentecostal background, of a Reformed background, because I acknowledge in, in those type of churches, many of them still believe the gospel 100%. They got it right. I don't have to agree with all the other things, and I think there are some major issues in those other groups that need to be addressed, but they need to be addressed with love and respect. When's, when a dangerous heresy is being taught, that needs to be pointed out so that you don't you don't get ensnared by that, yeah? We can't just ignore the danger. You might end up falling into whatever trap that is. But we should still show respect to all the saints, regardless of how many problems they have. Verse number 14, last verse. The grace of, of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all, amen. Now, I will retrieve my cap. Let me point out one thing at the end of the verse. Be with you all. Yeah, and that might seem like a small, insignificant phrase. I believe it might be a little bit important. Everybody here today needs all three of these things. Be with you all. This is not just with the pastor you get all this or, you know, people that are uh, active participants. Everybody in the church needs all three of these things. So let me explain what these three, three things are and how they might affect your life. There, there is going to be some overlap in the three things. So I'm, when you're dealing with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, they do blend together, right? It is three in one. So there is going to be some overlap. You're obviously going to find grace from the Father. You can find love from the Spirit. So there, you, the things will uh, bleed into one another. But let's walk through it as Paul gave it to us. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, first off, he says, let that be with you. What is grace? Grace is, is Christ giving you something you did not deserve. Let's, let's think of it this way, a free gift, right? I think in, in the Afrikaans Bible, in Romans 6.23, in English it says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, the luen van die sondes is die duet. Mardi Chanara Chava Van Chot is Eva Chaliva. Yeah? It's like that. Not bad, eh? Sorry, pause for a moment. Well done, Pastor Mike. Yes, okay. Now, on we go. 
Ik praat niet alle niet, is fijn. Ik praat niet Afrikaans niet. So the the chanara chava. That's what I'm trying to get to. It's it's a it's a gift. It's a gift of grace, right? Chanara chava. So that that helps you understand what grace is. You don't pay for it. Somebody else pays for it and then gives you the gift freely. That's grace. Uh, maybe in Africa, you guys love acronyms. Yo, everything's an acronym. So you take the first letter of each word, you know, and spell something out with that. So let's, let's use an acronym here for grace. G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. Yeah. God's riches at Christ's expense. I think that works well. Now, if you're like me, um, this is just the way I was raised. I didn't learn this from the Bible. I learned this from my dad. Work hard. Deserve what you get. Don't expect everybody in life to constantly give you free handouts. Work hard. Pull your weight. I like that. I think that says something about a person's character when they are not, and this might be a, an Americanism, a mooch. Do we know what that word is, mooch? That, that's not a Brooklyn term, right? We, we, you hear that, you're like, yeah, forget about it. You're a mooch. You know, that's, that's not like a mob term or anything. A mooch is somebody who is constantly living off of the hard work of others. They are not doing their own part. They just give me, give me, give me, give me. They're just lazy and greedy and quite annoying. They're a parasite. Nobody likes that, right? However, let's be honest. All of us from time to time need help. Amen. All of us. And the problem with somebody like myself being raised with that mentality of, listen, work hard, earn what you get, is when eventually a point comes in your life that you have done all you can and you just cannot get the job done on your own. You must have help from outside. It can be very difficult, almost be because of your pride. You think, I want to keep this reputation of being a hard worker and earning everything that I get. I don't want to be a mooch. Good, but that gets taken to an extreme so that you're so proud you won't accept help. So rather than take help, you fall into the pit of self-pity. And you begin to wallow in that self-pity. You say, well, look at just how bad everything is, and I, I just can't get the job done, and I'm a failure. But there is help to get you out of that pit. There are, God is going to put people around you, resources around you, a church, a book, the Holy Spirit, he's got all these things and people he's put in your life to help you overcome whatever the struggle, whatever the barrier, whatever the problem is. When God reaches down, and, say, and I say reach down on purpose, because this is what he did by sending his son. This is God reaching down to humanity and manifesting himself in human form on the earth and saying, you guys, on your own, no matter how hard you try, will never find your way back to me. So I've come down to show you the way back to me. I've reached down to lift you up out of the pit that you could never climb up out of by yourself. And this is why salvation is difficult for some people. They're down there in that pit of sin. They put themselves there, but they have it in the back of their mind. If I'm going to get out of the pit, I got to get out of it on my own. I don't take handouts. I don't accept help. I'll work for it. But then you're going to die in your sins. You're going to die in that pit. Much better to humble yourself and say, you know what? I don't deserve this. I made this mess. But Christ is offering to help me up out of it, even though I don't deserve it. 
There's no reason he should help me. And you get that thought in your mind. Somebody reaches out, let me help. You go, no, 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 I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Yes, we know that. We also, we know how it feels. We know how humbling it is. Let the grace of Christ cover your life because you're going to need it daily. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. There are going to be plenty of weak moments. Let Him strengthen you. Accept the help. You're going to need it each and every day. Don't let the pride get in the way of what Christ wants to do in your life. I believe Paul uses the Lord Jesus Christ in this case, talking about grace, because the greatest manifestation of grace the world has ever seen was God sending His Son to this earth. We, this earth... I say we as humanity did not deserve that. And I haven't even spoken of the death, burial, and resurrection yet. Just Him coming down to our level. Guys, think about this. In the book of Psalms, it says God, when He looks down on humanity from His throne in heaven, He has to humble Himself to do that. Think about that for a moment. Just for God to look down, He has to humble Himself. Now, what do you think it took for him to come down to the earth and take on human eyes so that he could see humanity from the perspective of another human? Just to help us. Not that we deserve it. It is not as if humanity was striving to get closer to God and he says, oh, you're trying so hard. Let me come down and help because you put in so much effort. Humanity was busy running the other way. We were going as far away from God as possible. And he says, I'm going to go down there and do something they absolutely don't deserve. The grace of Christ be with you. And then he says, and the love of God. The love of God. Let me show you a few verses, if I can. Please come to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5. If you can get that in one hand and in your other hand, go ahead and get John 3. I think you know that verse, but it doesn't hurt to see it. John 3. And let's look at Matthew 5 to begin with. Verse 44. The love of God comes in three levels, and you need to know these three levels. I've often referred to this as the pyramid of God's love. So at the base of the pyramid is obviously the largest section, largest category. And then you second level up, not quite as big and broad and wide, but it's there. And then you have the pinnacle, the very top of the pyramid. So three levels to it. Matthew 5 and verse 44, Jesus said, But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Now you see the idea here. This is a crowd that they're enemies. Jesus says, love them. Why, Lord? Where would I learn how to do that? Because that's not natural to, human, uh, to humanity, is it? Somebody hates us, treats us wrong, what do we do? Tit for tat. That, that's how we roll. God says, no, no. Jesus says, the way we do it is when they treat you like that, we, we treat them the way God wants us to treat them. We don't react to, to, to what they started. Verse 45, that ye may be the children of your father, now, this is talking about being a follower. You're following his example. That you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. That's part of loving the enemy. 
having a general mercy on them. That, that's grace again, right? Sending rain even though they don't deserve it. This base level of God's love, God will continue to provide for his creation, right? The, the rain coming down, that takes care of your food. It cleanses away uh, the, the dirt and dust and thus cleans, you know, moving disease away, all those kind of things. That's a general care God has for humanity. It affects everybody on the planet, right? That, love, that base level of love affects God's enemies, Yes? This doesn't save them. Just because rain falls on their head doesn't mean they're saved. They're still his enemy. They're still the enemy. But he says, I have this base level of love for you. This base level carries over to John 3.16. Again, I think you know the verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 16 affects how many people? All people. For God so loved the world, everybody. You see, that's the base level. It affects everybody on the planet. When Jesus dies on the cross, he has now made salvation possible for every single human being. Not just the elect. Every single human being can now, they have access to the love of God. Now, Paul says, let the love of God be with you. I accept that God, as my loving creator, is concerned about my everyday life. And that even if I treat him wrong, he is still taking care of me. Now, I accept that. I need to know that. But there's another level to God's love. Come to Ephesians 5. Get Ephesians 5 in your left hand. And in your right hand, get 1 John chapter 3. Ephesians 5, 1 John 3. now let's say that somebody comes to the cross and says God thank you so much for providing a way of salvation I, I accept what your son has done for me I accept the sacrifice you made on my behalf don't, don't, didn't deserve it but I know you did it and I appreciate it I thank you and you climb that ladder of his grace up into the second level of that pyramid of love, you now enter another, another level. You are in the familial level. That base level, that's the whole world. Now you are in the family of God. Now you have a, a different relation to Him, not just creator to offspring, right? Creator to creation. Now this is, you can think of it in two different ways, husband to wife or father to child. It's a familial level look at Ephesians 5 verse 25 husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it Christ it says he loved the church is that right question is everybody in the church is everybody in the body of Christ no does this then mean that Jesus only loves the church and he doesn't love people outside of the church no but how can this be true? I mean, it says he loves the church. Well, I got one verse that says he loved the world. Then I got another verse that says he loved the church. He loves them both, but he loves them differently. Different levels to God's love. Guys, we know this is true. Listen, I can honestly say, you folks here today, I love you. 
in the human sense. I appreciate that you're God's creation, especially brothers and sisters in Christ. I appreciate that relationship. That's another level of love. But none of you are my wife. None of you are my biological children. And therefore, you will not be offended. I'm commending you. You will not be offended if I do not love you the same way I love Megan, Caleb, and Amy. Right? They are my children. Christina, <laughs> no one on earth is as good as that woman. <laughs> I'm married to her. You expect me to love her on a different level. Yeah? So if I were to say to you, brother, I love you. That doesn't mean the same thing as Christina. I love you. <laughs> very different, th very, very different things. <laughs> different levels. All right. First uh, John chapter 3, verse 1. This is towards the back of the Bible now, just before Revelation a little bit. 1 John 3 and 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Now this is the same point we're making here, familial level. Ephesians 5, it was more the husband to wife, and now you can see here father to, to son or father to child, father to daughter in this case. So that's another level. Now, moms and dads, you love your children, yes? You love them special. Amen, good. And listen, I, I'm, I'm gonna be careful about this. All of our children are different. I mean, even within my family, Megan, Caleb, Amy, all different. I love them equally I, because I love them as much as I know how to love my child. I can't imagine loving them more. Does that make sense? But I recognize that they're all different, right? May Megan has certain, you know, peculiarities. She's not aimed. They're different. But I love them all just as much as I can possibly love a, a, a child. However, whenever my child or children are being rebellious, my love gets manifested in a different way. Yes? And I may not be as close to them. Even though my heart yearns to be close to them, I still love them. But if we're not walking together in agreement, if they're not in submission, if, if, if they're just being rebellious and difficult, I still love them. I love them in that familial level. But man, I'm not going to enjoy being in their presence. Does that make sense? So now we're going to step into the third level of God's love. Let's get 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians 9 and John chapter 14. Second Corinthians 9, John chapter 14. Let the love of God be with you all. So you need that. Everybody has the base level. You accept the love that was shown at the cross. You enter into the familial level. But as a child, if you obey God, now you're an obedient child of God, you enter into a whole other level, third level. He says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Now, the verse is dealing with giving, right? financial stuff, but it could apply to any command. He says, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Question, do you have to be a cheerful giver in order for God to love you? Uh, yes and no. I mean, the verse does say God loves a cheerful giver. So yes, God, if you want his love, you got to 
You've got to obey, and you have to do it cheerfully. You have to do it with the right attitude. Moms and dads, you ever told your kids, go do this? And they oh, okay. <laughs> well, they're doing it, but you're not really happy about that, but they did it. It's a whole other thing when they say, yes, sir, yes, mom, no problem. Be right on it. That, wow. That just warms your heart in a special way. Not because they're doing the chore or whatever, but they, they were so kind about it. That, that says something about how they feel about you. God loves a cheerful giver. This doesn't mean that he doesn't love the church and he doesn't love the enemy. It means he loves the cheerful giver on another level. The obedient child gets a special version of God's love. Second, or, uh, John, rather. John chapter 14, get verse 21. John 14, 21. He that hath my commandments, Jesus says, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. For what? For obedience. Now, this is a, that third level. This isn't how you get saved. Jesus is talking to his disciples here. They're, they're already believers. He's saying, guys, if you want that close, intimate fellowship, that, that close walk with God, where He's manifesting His presence in your life, then you need to be obedient. You need to do it cheerfully. Verse 22, Judah saith unto him, Not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Good question. Judas is thinking, physically show up and stand next to you. How can you do that privately? Won't, won't everybody see it? He says in verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. This is something spiritual. And this goes into the last thing that Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13. The love of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost. This is when God shows up in the form of the Holy Spirit and begins to communicate with you. Take your Bible, look at Philippians chapter 2. One last verse. Philippians, I say one last. Time's getting a bit short here. I actually have seven more on my paper, but Philippians 2 and verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, then he goes on to tell them what to do. Now, do you notice the similarity between this verse and 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14? Right? Consolation in Christ, that's grace. Comfort of love, there's the love of God. Fellowship of the Spirit, that word fellowship, same Greek word for communion. It's the same thing. It means the same thing. To have communion is to fellowship. To commune is to communicate. Communicate, watch, is to give and to receive. That's communicate. Husbands and wives, listen to this part. If one person does all the talking and the other person never gets to speak, that's not communicating. Communicate is give, the other person receives, and then we turn that around. Give, receive, give, receive, back and forth. What does the Holy Spirit desire to do with you, with you all? Communicate. He wants to hear from you, and He wants you to listen to Him. The Bible says in Romans 8, I'll move through this quickly, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. How does He do that? Does He just whisper in your ear and say, you're my child? Yes, that could be the case. 
but God begins to speak to you as a father speaks to his child. Again, we all know this practically. We talk, I don't talk to your children the way I talk to my children. There are certain things I would not say to your children because that's your job. So God, as my father, is going to say certain things to me now that I'm saved that he wouldn't have said before I got saved. He talks to me, he deals with me as a father to a child. There are certain things I cannot get away with in God's family. Somebody else's family, they might, may not have the same standards, but in God's family, he's not going to let it slide. Furthermore, when I need help, when I need that extra hug, God will be there to give that. And I can feel the Holy Spirit, I can hear in that inaudible voice, the Spirit of God saying, we're right here for you. We're never going to leave you. We're never going to forsake you. This is a mess, but we're going to help you clean it up. I can hear the Spirit saying this. The Spirit bears witness. The Spirit speaks. Revelation 2 and 3, seven different times, John wrote, Let him that hath an ear to hear, hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The Spirit speaks. In Hebrews chapter 3, we see it again where it says, The Holy Ghost thus saith. And you know what Paul does? Well, I say the, Paul, the, the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 3 and Hebrews 10, he says, the Holy Ghost bears witness, and then he quotes Scripture. You know how the Holy Spirit speaks to you? 31,000 plus verses. Words of the Holy Ghost. He says, I want to talk to you. Now watch, here's how you shut his mouth. <laughs> you keep this book shut, and he can't say as much to you. He can still speak, but you're, you're limiting him. And then lastly, let me point this out. What can you say to the Holy Spirit? I looked and looked through the New Testament. Where are there verses about talking to the Holy Spirit? Jesus said when we pray, we talk to the Father, and we do so in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's a different subject, and we'll talk more about that actually during the main service. But I found one verse where somebody was talking to the Holy Ghost, and they didn't know it. They were doing it indirectly. Ananias and Sapphira, when they sold the land and kept back part of the price, they came and gave their, their pre-planned offering they said it was the whole amount they lied to Peter said this is the whole thing Peter said why hath Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost now Ananias didn't know he was talking to the Holy Spirit <laughs> but he said something to the Spirit in what he was doing you know what speaks to the Spirit of God not just what you plan to say directly to him but the way you live the plans you make, the interactions you have with other people, you're saying something to the Spirit by how you do those things. Be aware of that. You know, as you go through your day and carry out your life, that's saying something to Him and then be prepared for Him to speak back. and Say, I like that or that needs to change. But be aware that God wants that communion. That communion. Let the... Love of Christ, the love of God, the grace of Christ, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. Let's all stand up, if you would. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you this morning for the opportunity to look at these things. And we desire that grace, love, and communion all day. Every day, God, we, we desire that. Please bless our service to come and the fellowship we can now have. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's have a little bit of fellowship, and we'll start again here in a few minutes.